0: you have your Bibles tonight, would you open them please to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. And once again tonight we're looking at the dark side, and I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about the dark side of Satan and his activities in our world and in our lives. And tonight's message is entitled, Setting the Captives Free. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 And verse 30, although we'll be looking at other verses in the chapter, so don't close your Bibles. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to the church at Ephesus and to the church at Miles Road, says something very interesting in verse 27. He says, neither give place to the devil. Do not give a stronghold to the devil. Do not give a campground to the devil. Do not give a fortress to the devil. Don't give him a place. No place in your life. And then in verse 30 he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Do not make the Holy Spirit of God weep. Do not make the Holy Spirit of God cry by things that you might say or do. Setting the captives free. I wonder if tonight you might have a satanic stronghold in your life. A stronghold that Satan is using to bring you misery and defeat and to bother your home and the church that you attend. I wonder if you might have a satanic stronghold in your life It's making you miserable, it's frustrating you, it's aggravating you, it's defeating you. And it's having an adverse effect on the home that you live in, the church that you worship in. I wonder tonight if you might be guilty of grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Grieving the Holy Spirit of God because you have such a stronghold in your life. You have the sin that causes the stronghold in your life. Does it disturb you? Does it frighten you? That I would ask you such a question? You say, Pastor, we're God's people. This is a godly church. I know that. But God's people can have satanic strongholds in their life. God's people can have sins in their life that give a place to the devil to operate. God's people can grieve the Spirit of God in such a way that the Spirit of God actually weeps. That could be you. It could be me. Tonight I want to talk about three things that can help set us free. Should we be one that has the stronghold? Should we be the one that's grieving the Spirit of God? The first way that I want you to understand if you're ever going to be free from a stronghold or free from the grieving of the Spirit of God, the first thing, and these come in an order, by the way. They're not just randomly picked out. Because unless you have the first, you can't have the second. Unless you have the first and second, you can't have the third. But first of all, we must forsake sin. The Bible says in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Do not give place to the devil. Well, I guess the question would logically be, how do you give him place? How do you allow him to build a stronghold or a fortress in your very life? How do we grieve the Spirit of God? How, how, what causes that? Well, those questions are good questions, and I can answer them with one answer. Sin. Sin builds strongholds. Sin grieves the Spirit of God. What kind of sin, pastor? Murder? No. Rape? You see, that's the kind of sins that we think would allow strongholds of Satan in our life. Because those are what we call big sins. We would think that those are the sins that would grieve the Spirit of God. But you might be surprised as we look into Ephesians 4 what the sins are that you and I can commit that give Satan access into our life, a place in our life, allow him to construct a stronghold in our life. And through that, defeat us and grieve the Spirit of God and hurt our home and hurt our church in the process. Let's look at those sins very quickly. Look at verse 25. He gives us one of them. The Apostle Paul says, Wherefore, putting away what? Say it, help me with that. Lying. Satan always tries to entice us, as we talked a little bit about this morning, He always tries to entice us with who he is, that we might commit the sins that he's all about. Satan is a liar. That's not my opinion. That's what Jesus said of him. He said he's always been a liar. He's always been a murderer. He comes to deceive that he can destroy. And ladies and gentlemen, whenever we become a liar like him, We are giving him a place. We are giving him access. We are giving him a right to build a stronghold in our spiritual being. When we tell a lie, when we live a lie, when we love a lie, we are making ourselves vulnerable to satanic intrusion. Lying is a sin that invites the liar to come in. Secondly, stealing is a sin that brings the thief into our lives. Verse 28 says, Let him that stole steal no more. The Bible says Satan is not only a liar, but he's a thief. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy, the Bible says. And when we become a thief like him, We are inviting him to come into our presence. And when Satan comes, he steals. He steals your life and years off your life. He steals your hope and your dreams. He steals your liberty and your freedom. He steals your peace and he steals your joy. He steals your soul if you'll let him have it. You see, he's a thief. He steals... And when we steal, we're inviting the thief into our life. You say, Pastor, I I don't steal from anybody. Oh, you don't? (laughs) Do you steal from God? You say, Pastor, how, how can I steal from God? By taking away his worship time to do something else. You know, He does call us to worship Him, does He not? And when we steal His worship time because we want to watch this or we want to go here or we want to be involved in that, we're stealing from Him. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, particularly as the coming of Jesus draws near. And some churches are corporately guilty of stealing worship time from God by shutting down their Sunday night services. By shutting down their Wednesday night services. And some Christians are just as guilty because churches that have the services, you know why they don't have the services? Because God's people don't come to them. God's people stay home and watch football games. God's people go to a restaurant. God's people will go here. They'll go there. They'll do this. They'll do that. And we're stealing time from God that's rightfully His. We steal from God when we steal His tithe. Some of you are looking mighty squeamish out there. Maybe you wish you were home watching the Falcons and the Packers. You're not tithing, you're stealing God's money. Everything we got comes from God. All He asks in return is 10%. It's all He asks for. And He says, if you give me my 10%, I'll take the 90% you have left and I'll bless it so you'll have more than the 100% if you'd have kept it. We steal from God when we take our talents and gifts that He's given us and we... Don't use them or we use them wrongly. You know, every every church God has put into that church, everything that's needed for that church to function. And when you see a church not having enough nursery workers, it's not because there's not nursery workers out there, it's because we have people who won't work in the nursery. When you see a church that's lacking Sunday school teachers, it's not because there's not Sunday school teachers out there, it's because Sunday school teachers won't volunteer to teach. You see, we can steal from God. You didn't ever see it that way, did you? And yes, we can steal from each other. Pastor, is, is stealing a 10-cent a pencil from work, is that okay? No, it's still stealing. You say, but pastor, it's only 10 cents. Nobody will ever miss it. It's still stealing. You see, most, most things are about character. It's not about how much or how little. You see, if I would steal a ten-cent pencil, I'd steal $10,000 if I got the opportunity. Lying. He's a liar, so he comes in where there lies. Stealing. He's a thief. He comes in where there's Stealing. Verse 29 says, dirty speech is another way that brings him in. Verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That phrase, corrupt communication, is talking about profanity and vulgarity coming out of your mouth. You see, Satan is filthy. Would you not agree he's dirty and filthy? And whenever you have dirt and filth coming out of your mouth, you're asking Him to come in and take over a place in your life to build a stronghold in your life. When you allow your mouth to be a conduit of verbal sewage spewing out, you're inviting Satan to come in. You see, Satan just can't come into your life and build a stronghold without your permission. Now, none of us would ever say, Satan, come on in and build a stronghold in my life. We simply invite him by allowing sin into our life that he identifies with, and therefore he feels comfortable with. And when he feels comfortable with the way that we're talking or acting, he can come in and build a place in our life. Verse 31 says, Another sin that will bring him in is bitterness, You know, the devil's bitter. Verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The devil's bitter. He hates what God loves. And he seeks to hurt what God loves. When we will not forgive, ladies and gentlemen, that unforgiveness will soon turn to what? Bitterness. And bitterness will soon turn to vengeance. As sure as a dog's tail will follow a dog, if you will not forgive somebody for what they did against you, that unforgiveness in time will turn to bitterness, and that bitterness in time will turn to vengeance and revenge. I want to pay them back. And whenever we take on that kind of attitude, Satan feels very comfortable walking in and building a stronghold in our life for which he can control us. Verse 31 gives us another sin. Verse 31, slander. Slander. Where do you see slander, pastor? The word clamor. Do you have that word in your Bible? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor clamor you know what clamor is it's a fancy word for gossip slander gossip you see satan is an accuser is he not of god's people he constantly goes before god and accuses me and accuses you tells god that we need to be judged for our sin we need to be cast into hell thank god we got a savior Who stands up and say, yes, Jim Palmer did this, but it's covered under the blood. I paid for it, Father. And the Father says, case dismissed. Don't you grin. He does the same for you too. But Satan is an accuser. He accuses God's people with lies and misleadings and innuendos and smears. And when we do that to each other, Satan feels perfectly comfortable walking right into our life because we left the door open for him to come in. You see, when we become like him, he feels comfortable being with us. And he comes in to stay with us. And when he comes to stay with us, he builds a stronghold that he will not be easily removed. And then one more sin, verse 31 Malice. Malice, it says in verse 31, with all malice. Malice talks about pain and hurt. Satan loves to hurt people. We, we want to we heal people. Satan wants to hurt people. And when we desire to hurt people, whether it be with our words... Do you know words hurt? Sticks and stones may break our bones, and words will too. They break the bones of our heart. Sometimes we would rather have somebody break our arm than break our heart with words. Broken arms heal, broken hearts sometimes don't. Satan has a lot of malice in him. He wants to hurt. And whenever we take it upon ourselves to hurt people, we're being just like him. Now these six sins are specifically given by Paul to you and I that we not let them into our life. I know you'd rather me say murder because none of us are murderers. I know you'd rather say rape because I don't believe any of us are rapists. Don't you wish I would have changed these sins? Because these are easy sins to commit. These are easy sins to call our little pet. But that's the very sins God wants us to deal with. We must recognize that we have these sins in our life. You see, we're very clever people. We change the words, and therefore if we change the word for it, then we change the fact that we do it. Pastor, I don't gossip on anybody. I just share. <laughs> Pastor, I, I don't steal from anybody. I just borrow. Pastor, I don't lie on anybody. I, I just... Smudge the truth a little bit. Oh, we're very clever, aren't we? But you can't outsmart the devil. Remember, he has an IQ that's off the chart. And so we need to recognize that we might have these six sins in our life. And we need to confess these sins. If we will confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all iniquity. And then we have to forsake the sin. We have to give it up. We've got to stop doing it. Because when we have these sins in our life, we're a laughing stock. And God's Spirit cries. Do you know you can make the Spirit of God weep? I can make the Spirit of God weep by allowing Satan to erect strongholds that come forth from our sin. And then we give Satan joy. He sits back and he, he enjoys it all. He watches us defeat ourselves and destroy ourselves, and then it spreads out into our home and into our church. If we're going to break strongholds, the first thing we have to do is forsake sin. But then there's another thing we must do. Now, the first thing you have to do is forsake sin. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter what else you do. But then there's a second step. We must fight the devil. Fight the devil. What does James say in James chapter 4, verse 7? He says, if you, some of you who memorize Scripture, if you resist the devil, he will what? He will flee. That word "resist" simply means fighting, stand toe to toe with him, and engage him in combat. It's not enough to clean out the hog pen. You got to run off the hogs. So you got to get Satan, who came into your life and has built a stronghold in your life. You not only need to confess your sin, clean up the stronghold but you need to get the devil out of the stronghold. Does that make sense to you? Because if you don't, he's just going to lead you right back into that sin, and it'll always be something on you. Now the question is, how do we call Satan out? How do we drive him away from the strongholds that we've allowed him to build in our life because of our own sins? Well, let me tell you how you don't do it. You don't do it by arguing with him. You don't do it by debating with him. You don't do it by going back and forth with him. You don't do it by hollering at him. You don't do it by giving him speeches. You don't do it by having some canned reading that comes out of some religious book. You don't do it by begging. You don't do it by pleading. say, well, pastor, how in the world you get him out then? Under the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember what we talked about this morning? When Michael was contending with Satan for the body of Moses, the mighty warrior Michael did not argue with Satan. He didn't debate with Satan. He didn't go back and forth with him. He didn't beg him. He didn't plead him. He didn't try to bully him. He didn't try to intimidate him. He simply said, Satan, I'm taking Moses' body in the name of Jesus. And he backed away. And the same authority that Michael has, we have. We are sons and daughters of God. We have the authority to do that. And we have to use that authority to order him to leave. My body is the temple of God. And you have no permission, Satan. You have no right to trespass on my Father's property. In the name of my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, I order you to leave. And you know what? If you resist the devil, he will what? But if you try to pull that stunt on him and you haven't forsaken your sin, he will spiritually boot you in the behind all the way to Somerville. You have to be forsaking your sin before you fight him, or he will slaughter you. Strongholds are up in our life of our own making. We must forsake the sin that allowed them to come in. And then we must fight the devil and vanquish him from what is not his, and that's our body, which is the temple of God. And then lastly, forsake our sin, fight the devil. And then lastly, we must give the Lord Jesus freedom for every room in our spiritual house. Notice it says in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That word renewed is an interesting word. It means to allow God's spirit to have access to you at every room level of your house. Paul was wonderful with metaphors and this word is speaking of the fact that our our body is like a house. Houses have many rooms. Our bodies, our soul, our spirit that makes up our being has many rooms. And what we have to understand is Jesus is Lord. And when we... Give him the keys to our room, our house. He has to have the room key to every room in our house. We have to forsake our sin. We have to fight the devil. But we have to give him the freedom to enter every room of our house. You see, because we might have a room that's off limits to him. We might have a gambling room, and he's not welcome there. We take the key from him. We might have a pornography room. We might have an alcohol room. We might have a fornicating room. We might have a hatred room. We might have a prejudice room. We might have a jealousy room. We might have an arrogance room. And Lord, here's the key to my house. And you can go anywhere in my house you want, but one room's off limits to you, Lord. Just one? That's my little room where I go and I enjoy my sin. Listen, I got 30 rooms. Lord, you get 29 of them. Let me just have this one little room where I can go in and have pleasure in my sin. doesn't work that way. He wants access to every room of our life. He wants the keys to every room. doesn't want to be locked out of any of them. Total access, complete access to our lives. So tonight, the question is, do you have a stronghold in your life? Do you have a satanic stronghold in your life? I didn't say you weren't saved. Saved people are the ones who have them for the most part. That satanic stronghold came because of you. You invited Satan to come in and build a stronghold by participating in a sin that he identifies with and is just like him. Now, if you allow him to stay there, he's going to destroy you. Do you understand that? I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. What I am saying is he'll take you through hell before you get there. He'll make your life miserable. He'll frustrate you. He'll aggravate you. He'll defeat you. And then he'll start working on your home. He'll start working on your church. You don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. So we've got to forsake our sin. It begins by recognizing, confessing, and repenting. Forsaking it. And then we have to fight the devil. We have to stand on our God given authority. I know some of you Baptists think, well, he's getting a little charismatic on us. No, I'm not. I'm being biblical with you. This is biblical. Now, a lot of our charismatic brethren, I think, abuse it some ways. That's another sermon for another day. But we have authority and we need to use it. And authority is in the name of Jesus. And then we need to give the Lord freedom to come into our lives and can take away and control everything. He's not a backseat driver. He's a front seat driver. He wants control of everything. He's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. Heads are bowed in Osra.